Welcome to the Greater Possibilities podcast from Invesco, where we put concerns into context and opportunities into focus. I'm Brian Levitt. And I'm Jody Phillips. And on the show today is Jen Flitton, head of U.S. Government Affairs at Invesco. Must be general election season already, Jody. Yeah, it feels, it feels like it, doesn't it? Sort of came early. Yeah, yeah. Feels like we skipped over the primaries a little bit, just went straight to the main storyline, right? Yeah, it's too early. So now we get to do this for, for 10 months. <laughs> um, We've drained all the suspense out of the whole process. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but look, you know, to your point, it's early February. What about investors' radar screens, right? Is this something investors are already focusing on? Yeah, I'm not sure they ever stopped focusing on politics and you know news flow in terms of what the implications are for their portfolios. It's despite your best efforts, I, I thought it was your life's work to tell people not to worry about the election, or at, at least in terms of market <laughs> impact, right? Well, clearly I am not doing a good job. <laughs> I don't know. if We're getting there, maybe. Slowly, one blog at a time. One podcast at a time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's some people who just, they maybe they hear it, but they don't want to change their mind. I, I remember my mom used to say, reminds me of this. She said, if you never change your mind, then why have one? I love that you're quoting your mom. I hope my boys one day find some <laughs> wisdom for me to quote from. We'll, we'll see. But okay, so then what is something that could help investors change their mind about elections? Okay, so here's... Here's one that I've been using that I love. This has worked out so nicely for my message. Um, so I was looking at when Biden was elected on November 3rd, 2020. And he's now, um, he was elected 820 so market days ago. And the performance of the S&P 500 is in the high 40% since that, since the day he was elected. And so then you go back and you look um, what Trump was elected over this, what what the performance of the market was over the same time period since Trump was elected. Any guesses? I don't know. About the same, I would guess. Yeah, what, what gave it away? <laughs> I know your message, Brian. I know your message. So it's actually mid-50s. So if you're a Trump fan, you could say, great, we're, we're slightly ahead. But the reality is high 40s, mid-50s, this, this whole thing is really much ado about nothing. Yeah, yeah. Much less stark than what the campaign rhetoric would have you believe. Exactly. Remember that whole your your 401k is going to zero? Right. Absolutely. If I don't yeah. win or <laughs> or the, the U.S. is going to go bankrupt if I don't win. Mm -hmm. yeah. All or nothing. Well, yeah, it's it's just not how things work out, fortunately. Fortunately. So so that's the S&P 500. That's the broad market, which is certainly important. But there are a lot of other issues and nuances that investors will want to have greater insight on. And so that's why Jen is here. Yeah. I mean, I just try to keep people calm. Jen actually knows stuff. So it's it's oh, good to have great. her. <laughs> great. We like, we like guests who know stuff. So let's uh, not waste any more time and bring on Jen to discuss everything she knows about D.C. Hi, Jen. Hi. Where do you want to start, Brian? Should we start with uh, some of the major le legislation that we're that Jen's keeping an eye on right now? Yeah, I would love to hear it. I mean, we've been we've been all focusing on this, you know, will we have a deal um, to to fund um, overseas allies militarily and and also um, have some money for the border and, and seems to be up in the air and, and curious Jen's thoughts on it. That's right. A hundred and eighteen billion dollar package, bipartisan package in the Senate to provide aid to Ukraine and Israel and some border security. Um, so what do you think the fate of that's going to be, Jen? 
Okay, so we just had a vote. Today is February 8th, just for contact. <laughs> yes, for sure. Let's timestamp that. <laughs> uh, so we just had a vote in the Senate. It's no longer a $118 billion package. It's now a $95 billion package. Um, they are moving on Ukraine, um, uh, Taiwan money, Israel money, some humanitarian assistance into Gaza money, uh, but they've taken the immigration language out. So this was oh, wow. negotiated language that Langford and Chris Murphy and Kirsten Cinema have been working on for the last two months of negotiations. Uh, but it fell very flat in the Senate uh, when they finally unveiled uh, the legislation and the language in order to secure the border. Uh, they went through a number of really strong restrictions. I mean, some of the strongest immigration restrictions uh, especially in a negotiated package that we have seen in recent memory. Um, but it wasn't enough for especially a, a very conservative members of this event. Was, was it not enough or was it viewed as perhaps a, a political challenge for, for Donald Trump running for election that if, if, if Biden had a win on the border, that would take away one of the key messages? So that is the argument from the Democrats. That's exactly what they're saying, that this is a cynical move by the Republicans okay. in order to keep it a live issue live uh, going into the election. Of course, well, I don't want to be yeah. cynical. Right. Not in <laughs> politics. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's exactly what the argument is, that uh, they want to keep this a live issue. Um, and it will stay a live issue if if they can't reach any sort of agreement on um, even a few amendments uh, uh, to this security, national security bill. Um, and it looks pretty unlikely they have 17 um, uh, Republicans who are voting cloture to move forward. Uh, the, the Senate is about to recess for two weeks. Uh, so they'll probably get this bill done over the weekend and uh, it will be sent over to the House where there are giant question marks how it will be processed. Always question marks. No shortage of question marks for sure. You, you mentioned that the immigration language was was taken completely out of this. Right. So what about that issue? Right. I mean, I think that was it December marked a, a record monthly high of, of migrants crossing over the U.S. southern border? I mean, it's certainly an issue that that is top of mind for a lot of people. How how can it be addressed? Yeah, if, if you know, seeing what happened over the last 48, 72 hours in the Senate, um, I think it's highly unlikely that you're going to see some sort of solution coming out of Congress. So then you're looking to the executive branch. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the complaint from from the Republican standpoint uh, going into the Biden administration, um, the first several months of the Biden administration was that he repealed uh, through about 64 executive orders um, the 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 actions of the previous administration on the border. And their argument is that that has led us to this point right now. And their argument is so you can undo by going back. And it, it's not quite that simple, right? And one of the biggest um, uh, restrictions was the remain in Mexico policy. That can't be renegotiated with a snap of the finger. Um, so the question really is, 
what is the Biden administration willing to do? What is the Department of Homeland Security willing to do over the next several months to to your point to to try to bring those numbers into a, a more controllable sort of situation at the border? So as we move forward through this year, clear we 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 know we have an election in nine ten months. Um, is there anything that investors need to be worried about in terms of? the state of our politics or how things will operate between now and, and the election? Or do we have to be worried about a, a shutdown or something else that perhaps is done to make one side or the other not look good ahead of an election? Yeah, we're always worried about a shutdown, right? Yeah. Because Congress has not been uh, willing or ready or able to get appropriations bills done on time. And so this constant kicking of the can with continuing resolutions um, brings into question whether they can do the business, the most important business of, of Congress, which is the power of the purse. Um, but we are uh, getting to a point uh, where you finally have the negotiations happening between the House and Senate. They have their top line numbers, which are known as the 302B numbers. The, the subcommittees are negotiating as we speak. And um, signs are positive in my conversations with staff on the Hill they need to be getting there. That seems to be how we do this, right, Jen? Yeah. We 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 seem to get to the eleventh hours, and and either we we cross it, we cross some breach, and we have to deem everybody's necessary, so people all work anyway, or or we 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 pass it. Yeah, you're right. It's always essential, not necessary. Essential. My apologies. Essential employees. Yeah. Um. The it's always darkest before dawn. I yeah. think with the appropriations um, process, and as we approach these March deadlines, I think we're probably going to see two packages hitting right at those threshold dates. And that is also a big week, that first week of, of March, because not only is it Super Tuesday, we'll, where we will then see um, almost 50% of the Republican primary vote in, um, we also have the president addressing um, Congress for the State of the Union on March right. 7th. Shortly after that, uh, the president will, will release his 2025 budget, uh, which will really set the parameters for his priorities, both on spending and tax. And it will also sort of telegraph where he's going um, as far as his campaign message and his agenda going into the general election season. Jody, have you ever actually played Kick the Can? No, I sure haven't. Jen, have you? Yeah. <laughs> you have. I'm from Ohio. Where are you from, Jody? <laughs> <laughs> Texas, Texas. Um, Jen, primary season. You mentioned primary season. So I don't feel like I understand primary season uh, this go around. I, I know Nevada had both the Republican caucus and a Republican primary, and none of these candidates won the primary. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It just feels like it's quick and chaotic. And can you maybe help explain <laughs> what's yeah, going on and what you're looking at? Nevada is a funny story. And it, it's really just this year that they're trying to institute caucuses on both the Republican and Democratic side. Um, that And that now the primary is sort of left over. But if you if you uh, filed to, to be in the primary, you can't file to be in the caucus. And so Haley filed to be in the primary. But then the Trump campaign put a a campaign on uh, against her uh, telling his supporters to vote none of the above or none of the candidates on the list. Oh, sure. I don't know why I'm having trouble keeping up. This is totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they they managed to beat her by like 60 
plus percent to her 33%. So um, it was a little humiliating. I, I think that was their intention. And now Trump runs in the caucus uh, today. So we'll see what that number is. It, it should be strong. And then we go into um, the end of February here with the South Carolina um, primary, which will be, you know, the primary to probably define whether Haley stays in this election or not. None of the above sounds like a good theme for the the twenty twenty four. So so Trump versus Biden probably a foregone conclusion, right? And and is there is there anything that's going on right now with the Supreme Court or the Colorado case that changes that? Yeah, I was was just watching the oral arguments. Uh, so the constitutional question as to whether uh, Colorado and Maine, uh, also relying on the Colorado decision to take Trump off the ballot in um, in Colorado. That is being decided right now uh, by the Supreme Court. Listening to oral arguments uh, pretty much indicates that uh, by the questioning of, of both sides, you know, of, of those who were um, put into onto the court by Democrats and those put on the on the court by Republicans seems to indicate that um, this will be overturned and Trump will be back on the ballot in Colorado and Maine. So this will be determined by the voters, not the Justice Department. I think that is very likely the the decision that comes out of the Supreme Court. So given how um, crazy the primaries have been this time around, I mean, does that change the landscape or the complexion of the general election at all? I mean, I know my my impression has been, and maybe this is true or false, but that primaries were sort of auditions for folks who wanted to be the VP candidate, right? So uh, who, what do you think in terms of, you know, a running mate for Trump? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll first answer that first question. You know, this is going to be a, a strange election in the sense of the court system being as involved mm -hmm. as it will be, and not just in the indictments of Trump and him having to maneuver his way through different courts in different states in America, um, but also uh, these questions of, uh, you know, taking him off the ballot and his own question of immunity. The Supreme Court is clearly going to have to get involved in some of these um, issues, most likely on the immunity case. We'll see if he he files appeal. Um, but uh, to, to the question of the, the vice president, um, right now, you know, as we we've been told, it's been reported and um, some of us have been in contact um, with the different campaigns. And it's clear that uh, that Trump and his his team are vetting uh, potential vice president nominees right now. And so I think it's very likely he will announce in the, you know, come late spring, early summer, who his running mate is. What are the big issues that investors should be focusing on, Jen? What are the big issues that you're focusing on? Well, I'm trying to get through the noise, right? Yeah. I, there's so much uh, around this election that is going to be incredibly hyperbolic. Um, there's going to be manufactured crises. And what we're trying to do is keep our investors eye on the ball, right? This is where it is actually going to come down to, you know, Joe Biden policies versus Donald Trump policies on taxes and immigration and the economy and spending priorities. And um, I think the more we can cut through, you know, the hyperbolic rhetoric and the more we can focus on what is actually at stake, the better. And I think that just keeps our investors better informed. Good luck. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I've been trying to do this for years, Jen. <laughs> And, and at the, at the risk of of injecting a any hyperbolic rhetoric, I mean, I, I see, you know, people mentioning that the next president is going to face a, a tax cliff, so to speak, right? Because of certain provisions of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that are set to expire at the end of of twenty five. You know, obviously, taxes uh, extremely important issue. What you know, what how would you um, describe what the different issues are in terms of what the next president will face? Yeah, this is going to be a major um, point of contention in the general election. And if we do see debates out of these two men come fall, uh, I think this is going to be a major focus because in 2017, Donald Trump was able to get through his TCJA, which is the tax reform restructuring of our code. Uh, But a number of those provisions do expire, as you indicated, Jody, in late 2025. We also have a tax bill in all of this mess in Congress. They were able to negotiate a bipartisan (laughs) tax bill um, that not only extends the child tax credit, but also does important work on uh, research and development, expanding that and extending that, along with accelerated depreciation. These things mean a lot to farmers and small businesses, along with big corporations here in America. And so that would also, though, the way that they've, they've structured it would expire at the end of 2025. So there's a there's going to be momentum um, going into 2025 to do something about this. There's all other expiring provisions that have to be taken care of, like the um, SALT issue, which is the state and local income tax. Yeah, I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Tell me about the SALT issue. So on, um, unfortunately for uh, those New York and New Jersey delegation members, they were not a lot, they were not able to include um, some SALT uh, changes to this latest tax bill. They're, they're trying to get a standalone vote. I, I think it's going to be hard to get it out of rules committee. Uh, I, I don't think it has a good future, but it does expire along with the others at the end of 2025. And that would mean, you know, a huge revenue decline for the IRS. So they have to deal with all of this. Um, and it's going to look very different between a President Biden or a President Trump. Um, that's probably one of the issues that swings uh, the most, you know, swings strongly, you know, one way or another um, come come 2025. Well, Jen, I was getting a little bit of deja vu when Jody said tax cliff. Um, so I was thinking back, I, I, I what I remember now is the fiscal cliff, which was, you know, maybe a decade ago. And, and I think that was the end of the Bush era tax cuts to which ultimately, I think all the concern investors had about the fiscal cliff, I think Obama ended up extending many elements, some Some of of the elements Mm -hmm. of the Bush era. So is that a, uh, is that a blueprint that we could draw on that if investors do have concerns that Biden will win the election and these things will potentially expire, can we draw on the 2014 or 20 or 2008 example? Trying to remember the date. I I do think you're right. It it is much more uh, a mixed uh, outcome if Biden is reelected because, you know, in the run up to his first election in 2020, uh, he made clear that as it relates to tax or tax increases, that he won't raise taxes on any families below four hundred thousand dollars. Right. And so as we look at um, the the tax framework, the individual tax framework, the tax brackets that that we currently exist under that ex- will expire at the end of 2025, 
I'm curious to see if some of his messaging comes out, uh, you know, as we get into the general campaign season as not increasing below 400,000, but then looking at those tax brackets above 400,000. I also Um, vaguely remember when he was running in 2020, a lot of concern from investors of where the capital gains tax rate would be. And wasn't it a very large number that had people very concerned that actually did not come to pass? Yeah. Right. And that 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 withered on the vine pretty quickly. But there's also, you know, members of his own party important members like the chairman of the Finance Committee, Chair Wyden, um, you know, who has his own uh, legislation. Uh, it's kind of a wealth tax. It's basically taxing on income that isn't income yet. Right. And so, you know, how some of those questions are going to be answered, how he's going to put together his own tax plan. Um, We're going to see that here very shortly. Uh, And I think some of this, like I said, is going to be telegraphed in his budget. And and we're going to get an idea of what his economic plan is, uh, partly through his budget that he's going to release at the beginning of March. So Jen, as someone who has aspirations to retire one day, um, someday, uh, should I be concerned at all about the... uh, Secure 2.0 implementation, right? The the bipartisan um, act, lots of implications for retirement savers. I mean, obviously, with a multi-year rollout of these provisions in the middle of an election, is is there anything you're watching with that? Yeah. So we're basically in implementation mode now, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. and members of Congress are watching very closely uh, what sort of effects this legislation is having on the retirement community and getting more people to save for retirement, because that's the whole point of it, is not just those currently saving for retirement, but those who are sort of underserved in the retirement um, industry. And so uh, that's really what the focus is. Um, for members of Congress and watching this implementation. But you're right, the Department of Labor and Treasury, they still have to write guidance. They still still have to write regulation. Um, There's a technical corrections bill that's going to have to move through the Senate. But because of other priorities, you know, they're going to have to get to the more controversial first because there's a reason it has to do with the Congressional Review Act and we'll get into that. But you're right, the first half of the year is going to have to be spent on the president's agenda and his priorities and what he needs to get promulgated and finalized within the first half of the year. So that's going to push some of these less controversial issues towards the second half of the year. Is there anything else that the asset management industry needs to be particularly focused on or or the advisory business needs to be focused on? Yeah, I mean... There, like I said, there are a number of uh, regulations that are going to be finalized in the first half of the year. You know, I, I'm talking to advisors a lot about the, the DOL's uh, new fiduciary rule, um, which we do expect to come out at the first half of this year. Um, it will have a CRA attempt at it, which is Congress's Review Act, which uh, tries to get legislation or regulation um, uh, eliminated. Uh, because they deem it not uh, at the discretion of of the regulatory agency, and then you know it should be at the statutory authority of Congress, and so that's going to be a fight. Um, but also, the SEC is you know putting out a lot of proposals; those are going to be finalized. And what is um, what is the aggregated effect on the capital markets? Uh, I, I think that is one of the questions you know that are that's out there that we're watching very closely. Is there anything we should be watching with um, 
artificial intelligence, crypto, any of those issues? Now that's a favorite issue, artificial intelligence first on, on the Hill. Um, and that's a bipartisan favorite. And there's been a lot of time and effort spent, especially in the, the it started this the half, last half of last year in 2023, um, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, put together a number of briefings with corporate America, tech America to come in and really sit down and help members of Congress, senators really understand artificial intelligence and and how it could be regulated and what needs to be done on a governmental level. Um, and so that question is, is going to continue into 2024. Uh, if you sit down with some of these senators who are really focused on it, it's all they want to talk about. Um, it's hard to get them off the topic. In fact. <laughs> and so um, I, I think you're going to see some of them who are most challenged and want to be champions on the issue, really trying to come together on some bipartisanship. We'll see if they're able to get there this year. But those talks, I mean, that's the that's the sausage being made. That's that's the side of it where it takes time um, for these things to come to fruition. Do you think they're able to get their heads around a topic that's so potentially complex? I know. I mean, can can the world get their heads around right. AI and and all the the good and bad that can come from it? Um, that yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a hard one to answer. <laughs> and what about crypto? To Jody's point about crypto regulation. Yeah. So there's a market structure proposal at the SEC. Um, there is also a big attempt by the chairman of the Financial Services Committee, Chairman McHenry, uh, to try to get some stablecoin legislation through, to get some digital asset market structure legislation through. They're going back to the drawing board on stablecoins uh, with the uh, his Democratic counterpart, Maxine Waters, um, really trying to work through some of that illicit financing um, angle uh, that that still is is really concerning a lot of members on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And then we saw Yellen, uh, Secretary Yellen, Secretary of Treasury, um, make clear at a hearing this week that she, the Treasury, generally supports uh, legislation on um, stablecoin uh, digital asset market structure, you know, but it, it's really the devil's in the details and getting there has to come out of the house because those conversations just aren't really happening in the Senate. So how's this going to play out, Jen? Do you have a, a horse in the race for the, uh, for the election? Yeah, I know. I, I know that, um, Wall Street investors love like a theory of the case, right? But with the polls where they are right now, it is a virtual, you know, 50-50 race. And it is all within the margin of error that could it could be either uh, candidate, um, I'd say incumbent, but they all they both are sort of, you know, one's definitely an incumbent, one's sort of a quasi incumbent. Um, and you're talking about a second term for either yeah. one, um, which would mean a lame duck sort of, you know, term. Uh, this is this is going Unprecedented. to be an interesting race. Since Grover Cleveland, is it Grover Cleveland? <laughs> is it born in my hometown? By the way, Grover oh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so when we talk about that fifty-fifty, so tight. One of the things that I, I've asked you before, but not on the podcast, is: is there concern that we don't know who won for a long while, and should investors have any concern about? Uh, potentially two men showing up on January 20th, 2025 to take well, the oath of office. I don't think, think it'll take that long. We may you not know the night of, but yeah. uh, it's really going to come down to six states. 
So it's going to be Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Georgia. So Jody and I will sit these out, Texas and New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. We all know where you're going. Uh, <laughs> but but those six states are really the the swing states. Those are the the those are the presidential makers. And so um, you know, going into election night, you're probably talking about hundred thousand votes total that are really gonna decide um where this race goes. So these guys better go start knocking on doors, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I think those states are going to have uh, a lot of commercials coming their way and lip drops <laughs> and phone calls and, yeah. and I'm sure it will be very annoying. It's gonna be a long nine months. <laughs> Any more questions, Brian? I think uh well, we're going to have Jen back on many times over the next nine, 10 months, correct? Absolutely. And I'm going to take the lesson that I learned from whenever we have Jen on the podcast, which is to check X Twitter uh, right before she comes on. I think last time uh, we had someone drop out of the speaker's race about five minutes before we talked to Jen. And now they took all the immigration language out of the immigration bill. So uh, always late breaking news that Jen's here to put into context for us. Because well, Jody, you and I are working too hard. We're not, <laughs> you know, we're not keeping up to it. That's right. Next well, time. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for joining us, Jen. Thanks for having me. Okay, Brian, where can listeners find more information from you throughout election season and beyond? Well, thanks, Jody. Visit Invesco.com slash Brian Levitt to read my latest commentaries. And of course, you can follow me on LinkedIn and on X, formerly Twitter. That's at Brian Levitt. You've been listening to Invesco's Greater Possibilities podcast. The opinions expressed are those of the speakers and are based on current market conditions as of February 8th, 2024, and are subject to change without notice. These opinions may differ from those of other Invesco investment professionals. Invesco is not affiliated with any of the companies or individuals mentioned herein. This does not constitute a recommendation of any investment strategy or product for a particular investor. Investors should consult a financial professional before making any investment decisions. Should this contain any forward-looking statements, understand they are not guarantees of future results. They involve risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. There could be no assurance that actual results will not differ materially from expectations. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. In the 815 days following Joe Biden's election as president, November 3, 2020 to February 2, 2024, the S&P 500 index was up 47%. In the 815 days following Donald Trump's election as president, November 8, 2016 to February 7, 2020, the S&P 500 index was up 55%. Data sourced from Bloomberg. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. An investment cannot be made directly in an index. Based on the U.S. Border Patrol figures reported by multiple news outlets, migrant crossings at the U.S. southern border reached a record monthly high in December 2023. All data provided by Invesco, unless otherwise noted. Stablecoins are cryptocurrencies that seek to peg their market value to an external reference, such as currency like the U.S. dollar or a commodity like gold. The Greater Possibilities Podcast is brought to you by Invesco Distributors, Inc.